Welcome to From the Den Podcast, providing Bears and NFL fans alike with compelling news, discussion, and debate. I'm your co-host, Benjamin, joined alongside my dear friend and co-host, Orin. Hey, Benjamin, let's get right into it. As always, kickoff starts now. Welcome to episode 24 of From the Den, where today we're reviewing week one of football, and wow, does it feel good. Doesn't oh it yeah, it feels feel- it feels like it's been so long since uh, football came on last year. Even though I was saying this before, you, like the NBA actually had a delay, whereas the NFL is picking up at the right time, despite that there was no preseason. But even then, it feels like we've been starved of football for so long, trapped in our homes without anything forced to talk about the Bears on this podcast. So I'm so glad that we have some substance to talk about not only the Chicago Bears but the rest of the NFL, as we're going to be going over. Uh, all of week one and giving some predictions as well as covering recent Bears news. This will be a jam-packed episode, a lot of content, one that I'm really excited about and I'm sure Oren is too. So let's get right into it, starting with our week one overview of every game in the NFL week one. We'll just share some brief thoughts about each game. Uh, Starting with Texans Chiefs, the opener of the season, a lot more high scoring than uh, the opener last year, which was Bears Packers, pretty dull game. Um, this one, 34-20 Texans at 34-20 Chiefs get the win. Uh, Chiefs offense looked great, especially with the addition of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, Texans, David Johnson has some potential, but not too great. Chiefs are a better team. Yeah, and I, I really thought that Deshaun Watson would be able to step up and really play well, even without DeAndre Hopkins. But the Texans really just looked lost. I don't know if it's the Chiefs' dominance, but... Honestly, the Chiefs looked great, but they didn't look like the best team ever to make the a Texans team that went to the AFC Divisional round last year and was up 24 nothing against that same team yeah. to make them look that bad. Like, I felt like they couldn't do anything. Yeah, especially since uh, the Texans really didn't put up that many points. The 20 is a little bit deceiving since Deshaun Watson had a late rushing touchdown. Exactly, um, and a throwing touchdown. So, I mean... yeah. Moving on now to Jets-Bills. The Bills were a team that had a lot of um, inconsistency riding on them, a lot of love, a lot of hate going into this season. Um, Josh Allen threw for three touchdown passes and seemed to play pretty well, whereas the Jets, um, they were inconsistent. Sam Darnold was inconsistent, and the Bills took the win 27-17, winning by 10, starting off on a good foot. Um, I had the Jets going 7-9 and this year again, I believe, and – Start uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't look great either. Jets are a strange-looking team, and I'm excited to see how this Bills defense pans out. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting is that the Bills, Josh Allen played well, but it was a whole team thing. Also, um, Le'Veon Bell's on IR because he hurt his hamstring, so that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. And, I mean, the Jets, everyone keeps raving about Sam Darnold, but I feel like time and time again he's proven that he's an overrated player, and that just could be me. And just my opinion, but I mean, who knows? Also, people said that Josh Allen could be very like Trubis- very much like Trubisky, but I think of this first game. That was mostly you. Yeah, that was mostly Dang me. But mm-hmm. I heard it from a lot of people. It wasn't just me. Um, if this first game proved anything, it's that Josh Allen took the step that everyone projected Trubisky to take. Yeah, that is fair. Okay, moving on now. Packers, Vikings. Packers get the huge win, 43-34 big high-scoring game against this Vikings team that was previously had a pretty stout defense. Now their secondary got totally revamped with all rookies, and Aaron Rodgers, the veteran great quarterback, just totally exploited that secondary. Um, 
there are predictions for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to decline in general. And at least after this bad against this bad Vikings secondary Packers proved the haters wrong throwing for four touchdowns, I believe on a great day for him and the Packers in general. Yeah, I really have to admit it, but the Vikings offense isn't that bad. And the Packers stepped up and I'm going to take the fourth quarter out because it doesn't mean anything. The Packers <laughs> pretty much won 29 to 10. They yeah. very much shut down Kirk Cousins, Delvin Cook, all their players. And their offense scored well. And I mean, people were saying that if Aaron Rodgers declines and the defense declines, but I mean, the defense looks like it's playing pretty well. And that's a scary thing for me to say. It was also, it also took a lot of struggle for me to say that, but yeah, the next week, the Packers are playing another lackluster defense in the lions, but it'll be interesting to see if Aaron Rodgers continues his hot streak or if it were just a flash in the pan Uh, moving on. Eagles versus Washington football team. One of the biggest upsets of this week, the Washington football team pulls out with a win over the Carson Wentz led team. Carson Wentz was getting sacked all game. Uh, They started off with an opening drive touchdown to Zach Ertz, but their luck did not last from there. And Chase Young showing a lot of potential. He had a sack and a fumble in that game, I believe. Um, Getting the win 27 to 17, the only team in that division. Uh, Washington is the only team in that division who is starting off one and zero, so that's a lot of potential for this team that a lot of uh, NFL fans were writing off. So I mean, just look at the uh, Washington. The Washington football team really doesn't have that much, but they have a great mm-hmm. defensive line. That is true. Chase they have a great Brown, defense. Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Derone Payne—all these very young players who have so much potential. Besides for Ryan Kerrigan, he's pretty old, but. They, they have a very stout defensive line. They don't have a lot of skill in any other position. And they're they have, I mean, they've got a lot of potential. I think they've got, they brought in a lot of young guys on this offense, Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, uh, and other guys like that. Yeah, but, exactly. And I was very much surprised because everyone, every year since the Eagles have won the Super Bowl, everyone's like, the Eagles are going to be good. This is their year. But why do you guys, why do people keep coming back to them? I think I had the Eagles going five and five and 11. And I felt guilty doing that just because of how much the media portrays them as like a team. That's yeah, to be honest, I, I felt a little bit pressured to put them as higher, even though, I mean, they don't, Carson Wentz hasn't totally proven. I don't think he's terrible. I think, or, and you think he's a lot worse than I do, but um, Carson Wentz hasn't totally proven himself since that MVP season. And I don't know if it should all just be blamed on his offensive line. We'll just have to see. Well, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that it's, I think that after his ACL tear, his stats might be fine. It's not even close to an MVP season, but that's not the point. The point is that he's not winning games, and that's the mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, okay. The Washington football team is oh. very bad. All right. Yeah. Uh, moving on now, I just said that Eagles over – or Washington over Eagles might have been the biggest upset. Maybe Jaguars over Colts was another huge upset, Twenty winning 27-20. to 20. Everyone – was really writing off the Jaguars this season as a lock for out of the playoffs. Oren and I certainly did that in a previous episode. And the Colts, you know, was one of Oren's sleepers team. I wasn't super high on him because I don't trust Phillip Rivers. And he showed why he's not a super trustworthy quarterback in this game, throwing a lot of, or a few costly interceptions. Is Gardner Minshew the real deal? You know, people were expecting, you know, he'd play not great and they'd get a guy like Trevor Lawrence in the draft. But now you know, it's only week one, so I can't, I shouldn't be that quick to make assumptions, but Gardner Minshew looked great. He only threw one interception. Uh, sorry, he only threw one incompletion and he played well. Yeah, I mean, 
everyone was saying that they're going to tank and get Trevor Lawrence. People are forgetting Gardner Minshew had a very good rookie year. Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew, I think statistically, I saw this. Thing well, I think it's the- also an issue of that there's no weapons surrounding him. Even if you are a proponent of Gardner Minshew, you know, he's got some rookie wide receivers and then they just lost Leonard Fournette. They're just so depleted as a team. And I think that's why people were writing him off as well. No, I 100% agree. But also, like, I saw this thing, and it was comparing Kyler, Kyler Murray and um, Gardner Minshew, and I didn't know which one was which, and I picked right. Gardner Minshew's stats. And I thought that it was so interesting that when you really look at it, I'm not saying that Gardner Minshew is better than Kyler Moore, Murray or he's going to play mm-hmm. better, but I am saying that Kyler, uh, that Gardner Minshew threw one incompletion. He had a 95% yeah. completion percentage. He was great. And, I mean, honestly, this Jaguars team has very little going for them. But the Gardner Minshew reminds me of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not saying that they're similar in skill or anything like that, but they're players who come to really bad teams and surprisingly win more games than you expect. Yeah, okay, that's a fair thing to say. Browns-Ravens, I don't know if many people remember, last year Brown, the Browns were one of the two teams to beat the Baltimore Ravens in the regular season, but that was not even close to the outcome of this game. The Ravens pounded the Browns 38-6, to showing uh, Lamar Jackson, at former MVP Lamar Jackson, has still got it, and the Browns are looking like the Cleveland Browns. Even a year after all their hype, picked as a post-hype sleeper, they still don't seem to have it all together, and maybe, you know, if Baker continues this lackluster performance, they should be looking towards another quarterback after the season. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that the Browns have one of the most skilled teams in the NFL. And I don't know if you can blame it on coaching, but I it's got it's got to be management. I mean, there's something going on there. I truly believe that there in every sport there are a few teams that are so mismanaged that they can't be successful, and the Browns are the epitome of that. Yeah, that is fair. Uh, I mean, they haven't. It's not like they've always had great talent. Last year was looking like one of the their most talented rosters ever it's not like they're historically a team with a lot of talent that gets mismanaged normally it's just they're a bad team in terms of management and talent but this just shows how uh ill-fated the browns are and that even when they do have a very talented roster they still cannot win games yeah and it's it's going back even to the 80s the last time they were good was 86 or mm-hmm. 86 87 with the fumble and the drive where they lost to the Broncos in the AFC Championship game. And that's the last time they were good. 40 years ago? 40 years ago, right? It's crazy. I mean, the Browns are just – the Browns have a skilled team, and they just are so poorly managed. I, I, I can't bet for them, no matter yeah. how good the team is. Yeah, okay, Raiders versus Panthers. Panthers were a lot of uh, – where a team that a lot of players or a lot of fans picked to do badly this year, they do have Teddy Bridgewater and new head coach, Matt rule, but their defense was just looking too young and too inexperienced to get anything done. And the Raiders put up a 34 point effort against the Panthers. The Panthers put up only 30 Raiders get the win here. Uh, I picked the Raiders as a sleeper. I don't think their defense is great, but they get that week one win saving my prediction for now. No, I honestly, the Raiders won. And what I thought was so interesting is that the Panthers didn't get a sack. Like, it's not very good. Yeah, and, they're, they're very lackluster defense. Yeah, and it's not a very promising sign. Also, when you look at it, the they let up 34 points. And the Raiders, I don't think the Raiders have the most are the most skilled team in the NFL. But when you look at them, they're a very well-coached team. And they're going to win those tight games. In those tight games, they're going to be able to come out. I mean, we'll see because – oh, the Raiders, you're saying? Raiders, yeah. I, oh, think I thought you were saying Panthers. Okay, yeah. 
The Raiders are a yeah. well coached team, and that's the difference. I think the Raiders are going to beat some good teams this year and surprise some people. Yeah, I could see that. I don't. Th- I don't think that they're a playoff team, but they're they're for sure a surprise team. Mm-hmm. Um. So, oh, you can start this one. Yeah. All right. So going on to Seahawks Falcons, and we're oh sorry, just a side note, we're going to be skipping Bears lines for now. If you didn't catch that at the start, we're going to be going in depth because, of course, we are a Bears podcast. Yeah. So the Seahawks looked really good. Wilson, four touchdowns. I mean, they didn't really have that amazing of a run game, but Chris Carson really provided in the past game with two touchdowns. They just looked like a good team. They looked like they picked off where they wanted to start, and their offense looks incredibly explosive. And their defense, I'm not going to say that their defense played spectacular, but it held Matt Ryan's offense. I mean, 25 points. Which 25 points. And I don't think you can count it as holding to 25 points. 25 points is a, is a lot of points. And, and they also put up a lot of yards. They had three receivers who had over 100 yards or at least close to that. No, yeah, I agree. I'm not, so I'm I don't just think saying, the defense played great. I'm, I'm not. The defense didn't play great. But, I don't but think also that, the Falcons offense yeah. is pretty good. They, I, they didn't lack. And I think that the Seahawks, I think that the Seahawks came out and just ran away with this game. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I was actually picking, you know, I was thinking it would be kind of likely that the Falcons beat the Seahawks week one. I think the Falcons could be a sleeper this year. And the Seahawks are a team that tends to lose a few games early and then come back roaring. Don't get me wrong. I like the Seahawks this year. I love the Seahawks this year. But, you know, I mean, I'm not super surprised at the outcome, but I wouldn't have been surprised had the Falcons won either. Put it that way. Yeah. All right. So on to Patriots, Dolphins, the Patriots won 21 to 17. Cam Newton with 15 carries and two touchdowns. He didn't even throw a touchdown yet. He looks like he's a very good fit in this offense. I mean, Belichick and Josh McDaniels have learned how to use him. And I mean, what's so great about Cam Newton now is that he's not being used necessarily for throwing the ball that much. He only threw the ball four more times than how many times he ran the ball. He threw 19, ran 15. So, I mean, if they can utilize him running well, which they've never been able to do, and great for them. Yeah, this goes into what I was saying when we were going over our predictions for these teams. I think it's, uh, I was very excited to see how the Patriots will utilize Cam Newton because I trust this Patriots staff. They're very creative and they've never had a quarterback like Cam Newton who's been so mobile. So, and we really saw him display that mobility as, like you said, he rushed 15 times and had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. All right. So on to Chargers Bengals. Joe Burrow had a fine game, 193 yards, a rushing touchdown, one interception. But, I mean, it's the battle of not great teams. And the (laughs) Chargers didn't really show anything to prove that they're great, neither did the Bengals. I mean, the Chargers Chargers have a very solid defense, but I just don't know if I can really trust their offense. And the Bengals have a not very solid defense. And their offense didn't look explosive. So neither of these teams look like true contenders. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that Joe Burrow is going to get a lot of hate after this year, after this, uh, sorry, after this game. But I was, after looking over the game again and watching some film, um, I think a lot of the blame should go on the offensive line. He was fighting for his life. You could tell he was trying to make a play out of nothing, scrambling around and, uh, well, it wasn't the greatest performance for a rookie uh, for a debut. I think that some of the blame should also go on that offensive line. All right. So now going on to the most, I think, underrated and underappreciated game, Cardinals 49ers. The Cardinals mm-hmm. beat the 49ers, and it's not being talked about. The Cardinals, yeah. I think the 6-10 and 10 or 5-11 and 11 Cardinals 
beat the Super Bowl, almost Super Bowl winning 49ers. Yeah, and also 49ers were one of the undefeated teams for a very long time last season before losing to the Seahawks. Wait, yeah. And I mean, the Cardinals looked good. They, they slowed down the 49ers to get them to 20 points, which everyone was saying that the Cardinals defense is so poor. They slowed down a very solid offense to only get 20 points. I'm not saying getting 20 points is like getting like yeah, yeah, yeah. little, but they, they should, their defense showed promise. Kyler Murray played fine, 230 yards, a touchdown interception, a rushing touchdown. But DeAndre Hopkins had a very good game. Even without a touchdown, 14 receptions for 151 yards. That's pretty good. I'm impressed. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins had a great debut. George Kittle uh, was injured, actually, so that's why it wasn't such so much of a factor. This is, for all the people jumping on the Cardinals bandwagon, it looks like you picked the right team for now, beating the uh, Super Bowl defending losers, I guess. Um, but only time will tell if this shows that the Cardinals are going to be great this year, if it shows that the 49ers are going to be suffering from Super Bowl hangover or both or neither. All right, so on to the Saints-Buccaneers. The Saints beat the Buccaneers 23, 34 to 23. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the, the Buccaneers came out of the gate looking very good and then slowed down from then. I yeah, mean, opening I, drive touchdown. I think the Buccaneers did show promise. But, I mean, Brady, two touchdowns and two interceptions. He had a rushing touchdown, which is something I never thought I would say. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Breeze and the offense looked very, very sharp. And even though Michael Thomas is hurt for a few weeks, I think that this could potentially be their year, which is said probably every year, but I mean, eventually they have to get it. Yeah. In my mind, there was no way that the saints were going to lose this game. Saints are such a disciplined and I think sharp the word that you use is good uh, team. They're not going to beat themselves and coming up against this uh, Buccaneers team, which has all the talents in the world, but lacking chemistry and it's week one and things can still be kind of mixed up, especially without preseason. I thought that the Saints would run away with this just because they're so experienced and know how to handle these situations. They beat a lot of good teams down the road. Um, as for Tom Brady throwing two picks and one of them an interception, he's thrown a pick six in his last three games, actually. So it'll be interesting to see if he's really rusty or if he's just rusty for the start of the season and it'll turn into the Tom we all know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, so on to Rams versus Cowboys. The Rams beat the Cowboys 20-17. to 17, And I was really impressed by the Rams, I have to say. The Rams had a very good scheme. They would run the ball a lot. Malcolm Brown had 18 handoffs. Came yeah, and in. I think that, sorry to interrupt, I think it was surprising that not Darrell Henderson, not Cam Akers, but actually Malcolm Brown was the running back who emerged as the Rams RB1. And it'll be interesting to see going down the line if that'll continue or Sean McVay just wants to wait until Cam uh, Cam Akers has a bit more experience in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, the Cowboys, they play fine, but I mean, everyone's saying that a lot of people are saying the Cowboys are going to be great. And yes, they do have the skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For all, but for all of the offensive hype that they got, 17 points should not cut it. Exactly. I 100% agree. And, I mean, the Rams played better than them. Aaron Donald played really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the last play, I know you can say what if. Yeah. Even though the Rams won the game, Jalen Ramsey should go into acting after his career. He's very, he's very <laughs> talented. Yeah, but that's a joke. Besides that, I think that the Rams really proved themselves. Yeah, I think that's fair. The Rams can be a post-hype sleeper this year, although they are in a very tough division. Yeah, I was going to say I feel bad for them because I, I can't see them making the playoffs. 
even going 10 and six, they might not be able to make it. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. All right. So on to the Steelers giants, the giants to begin with looked pretty good, but I've never seen a worse offensive line play in my life. Yeah. It was horrendous. Saquon Barkley had had five, 15 rushes for six yards. Yeah. And that's nothing against Saquon Barkley. If you watch that game, you know that it was not his fault. He was fighting for his life out there. Yeah, he had 0.4 yards per carry, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones had 22 yards on four carries. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you, if you can't protect the run, then you're never going to be able to do anything. Daniel Jones, some plays looked great. Other plays looked terrible. Yeah, and but I, that uh, interception in the red zone, that's inexcusable, especially the throw is just horrendous. I mean, you got to throw that ball away or even take the sack. That's he should know by now. I know it's only year two and he hasn't even played a full season, but he's got to learn quickly. Uh, in the NFL, you're not going to be able to get away with throws like that where you're uh, getting hit. Yeah, I agree. All right. On to Titans Broncos. And I have, and the Titans beat the Broncos 16 to 14. Benjamin, you beat me. You, you, oh, well, I yes. Gotta, <laughs> the clash you. of the two, um, the two sleeper picks. I mean, I have the Titans going 9-7 and seven only, which is probably surprising considering how much I was hyping them up. But still, Oren, you can go on. Um, what I was going to say is that, um, I mean, the Titans look good, so do the Broncos. But the Broncos, I mean, they lost Von Miller. Their defense wasn't as explosive. I mean, they still limited the Titans to 16 points. Drew Locke, honestly, I was watching him. He looked pretty good, but the few, there was a few throws here and there that he missed. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was very accurate in the short game. And when it came to the deep ball, he just wasn't as accurate. And he was missing open receivers, which is a yeah. bit of a But, I mean, that's always something you can scheme around. I mean, you never know, but that game might have been a lot farther than – or a lot less close than the score shows just because if um, Koskowski had made those four missed kicks, then this would be um, different by – 10 points. This would be, I'll be 10 extra points on the board for them. Cause he missed three field goals and an extra points. So, you know, Titans, it looks like they put up a low score, but it might've been a little bit more had Gaskowski made those kicks. All right. So now we're going to go start predicting week two and mm-hmm. you can start it off. Okay. So week two, I mean, there are a lot of things that I could say about week one takeaways, Bengals, Browns, very interesting game. We've got the Browns who still have a lot of hype and also the Bengals with Joe Burrow. It's an actually an interesting game. I could see the Bengals stealing one, but I think that the Browns, I got to go with kind of the safer pick, even though neither of these teams are super safe to say, I got to go with the Browns on this game. I think that they'll win ugly. Their offense won't totally click in this one or anything. It won't uh, leave Browns fans with too much optimism, low scoring, but these are bad defenses. They'll win ugly, but the Browns are going to pull away with this against Joe Burrow's only second game. I 100% agree. The Bengals just don't have enough skill to compete with the Browns. And mm-hmm. no matter how much I say that the Browns aren't good and they're mismanaged, they should always be able to beat the Bengals with this team. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, like, just, just with when this team is so good compared to the Bengals who are so poor, the Browns just have to win that game. Yeah. All right. Moving on now. Again, we're not covering the Bears just yet. So Rams, Eagles, two very interesting teams. The Rams managed to pull off a great victory against the Cowboys, while the Eagles got upset by the Washington football team. Um, This is also an interesting game, and maybe I should have put some consideration into this before 
speaking. You know, Oren, you want to go first for this one? Just because I have to think. I have the Rams beating the Eagles. Yeah, that's what I'd expect. uh, The Eagles, I mean, they do have all the skill in the world, but I just really can't see their offensive line looks a bit banged up. And it doesn't look as good as it was before and let up so many sacks last week. I just can't see them rebounding against Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah. Now that you said that, that was a thought that was going through my mind. Uh, Carson once again getting totally beat up. And now he has to come up against Aaron Donald in one of the best front sevens in and defenses, I'd say, in the NFL. I just do not love that matchup at all for this Eagles offense. And I think that the Rams offense has enough uh, star power to get some nice touchdowns, points on the board. Rams are going to start 2-0 while Eagles go 0-2. Moving on, Falcons-Cowboys, another clash of two exciting uh, offenses. I think that the Cowboys are more of a full team, and they're going to pull away with this victory. Again, I do like the Falcons, but they have such a tough schedule. So, unfortunately, Falcons are going to go start off the season 0-2. I honestly think that this is a must-win game for both of these teams if they want to be contenders. If well, yeah, Falcons, I mean, it's hard to recover from starting off 0-2. Exactly. If I think that the Cowboys are going to win, just they're going to they're gonna pull out. Their team is too good for them to lose against the Falcons. The Falcons are a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and played well. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the Cowboys, they, they need to win this game, and they'll find a way to win it. Yeah, the Falcons have such a rough schedule, like I said. I mean, last season they actually ended up pulling – uh, they winning a lot of games down the stretch near the end of the season, which kind of saved Dan Quinn his job. So maybe the Falcons can pull something off like that. I'm rooting for the Falcons. You know, I've got some grandparents there, and I just like the team in general. Um, yeah, moving on, Panthers, Buccaneers. I mean, I just got to go with the Buccaneers here. This, I think that this offense is going to tear apart the Panthers. Great matchup. If you've got any of those guys in fantasy football, Oren's got Tom Brady, so he should be excited. Um, yeah, not too much else to say here. I think this will be a high-scoring game. Buccaneers going to put up a lot of points. Yeah, I agree. All right. <laughs> Moving on, 49ers-Jets. I think this game will be a little bit scrappy. I don't see the 49ers putting up a lot of points on the board, to be honest, but the 49ers are going to pull away with this win. Jets are kind of dysfunctional, going through a lot with the injury to um, – Le'Veon Bell, and although the 49ers did just suffer a loss to the Arizona Cardinals, they're just a much more sharp or um, just a much more sharp, I guess, organization, and they're going to pull away with this victory. Um, you want to take it? or um, Sure. So Broncos Steelers, I mean, I have the Steelers winning, even though I'm very high on the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I think that um, the Steelers are going to win this. The Broncos are in the same team without Von Miller. I think one of their players, I forgot who, I think it was A.J. Bouye, hurt his shoulder. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they um, Cortland Sutton's still hurt. K.J. Hamler's hurt. I mean, they're just not a healthy team right now, and I can't pick them. Yeah, this is a very interesting matchup, actually. I could see it going either way because the Steelers are a team that honestly seems to drop a few random games to teams and Broncos seems like a team even with the loss of Von Miller that can pull up a few upsets but for now I think that I'm trusting Big Ben on this offense and this defense is looking like one of the best in the league to start off the season so I just got to go with the Steelers here Uh, moving on now to Jaguars Titans Jaguars are looking like a great team and I think that maybe if they find a way to shut down Derrick Henry and that Titans offense they can do something but their defense isn't like what it was in 2017 of course so I think that the Titans can put some points on the board 
it'll be some weird score. I think somewhere in the teens again, Titans like those um, victories like that. I'm sensing a long AJ Brown touchdown at some point in this game. Um, Minshew, I think will continue to play well, but not enough to get them the win here. I think that's interesting that you, you have such a prediction for the, what's it called for AJ Brown to get a touchdown. I have the Jaguars winning by a little, I mean, everywhere. Oh, really? You I'm just, not, you just got to hate on the Titans, huh? No, the Titans played well. I was wrong about the Titans. They could, yeah. they could be fine. But I mean, the Jaguars are riding the momentum. Everyone is doubting them. Think That's about fair. That's fair. If everyone is doubting you. You you have nothing to lose. Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew, a fifth-round pick, comes here with no weapons, nothing around him, and just plays football. Yeah. One in completion, plays great. I mean, they're trying the momentum. That's fair. I just think that I could see this Titans offense giving the Jaguars defense some trouble. Okay. okay. And that's on why I said. On to Lions-Packers. I have the Packers winning this game. I think mm-hmm. that the, the Lions secondary is just too depleted. They had some injuries against the Bears. I mean, I just can't see the Packers losing this one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Lions secondary is depleted. Aaron Rodgers is going to keep riding on that. All right. On to Bills-Dolphins. Again, Bills are going to win. The Bills have proved me wrong, and I get it's only been one week. But if they play like they did last week, then good things will happen. Yeah, I I agree with that. I'm not totally sold on the Bills just yet, but I do see them getting the victory here. Um, Vikings-Colts, very interesting game, actually, because two teams who came off the bat disappointing. I think that Phillip Rivers could end up getting a lot of touchdowns in this game just because that Vikings secondary looks so terrible. But with that said, um, the Vikings could end up putting some good points on the board as well. I think I'm going to go with actually the Colts to get a victory in this game. You know what? I have the Colts winning also. I mm-hmm. think that the Viking, the Vikings have proven that they have huge holes on their defense. Yep. And if their, offense, if their offense isn't able to consistently put up more than 20 points a week, then they're just not going to be able to compete. Well, I mean, the Vikings offense did put up more than 20 points. They put up 34. So I mean, it was scrap time. They, they put up 10, and then they got 24 in the, the last quarter, which was just chucking balls away. I guess, I guess. Okay. Um, Washington football team versus the Cardinals. Interesting matchup since – that front seven on Washington could give the Cardinals some trouble, which I think is being underrated. Um, but in general, I think the Cardinals pull out with this victory. I think it'll be a closer game than expected, but I still don't really love this Washington offense. They haven't really generated. I, I've never seen a game from them where everything's been clicking, where they've generated a lot of offense. And the Cardinals just have so much firepower. Even though they have a bad defense, Cardinals are going to pull away with this one. Yeah, honestly, I agree, but I'm not saying I could very likely see the Washington football team beating the Cardinals. Okay. Um, Ravens-Texans, what a rough stretch starting off their season for the Texans. That's terrible. Going from Chiefs to Ravens, and I've got the Ravens winning this one. Um, I got the Ravens winning this one. Not much of a reason to doubt this Ravens team. I mean – of course, the Texans do have a great offense, but I just, in my opinion, Ravens have a better offense and defense, and that's all that there is to it. That's fair. I agree with what you're saying. Okay. Uh, Chiefs-Chargers, interesting matchup, but Chiefs are a better team. Uh, so Chiefs are going to pull away with this one, and Chargers defense might have given them trouble, but I think that they had some injuries. I'm forgetting the names right now. 
Uh, yeah, Chiefs are just too overpowering. Players like that. Mm-hmm. Looking like a great team, and I don't think that this um, inconsistent at best Chargers team is going to be the one to bring them down. The Chargers are not going to bring them down, and the Chiefs are going to win by a lot, but the first yeah. quarter is going to be a lot closer than you expect. I think that the Chiefs are not going to come out of the gate well, and they're going to come They're going to come in the second or third quarter and score 30 points in one quarter, and it's just going to be an interesting game. You think the Chiefs are going to score 30 points in a quarter? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. It's interesting. Patriots-Seahawks, a very – I'm very excited for that matchup Sunday night because, you know, Seahawks – starting off with a great win, but the Patriots are the Patriots. We got Ken Newton versus Russell Wilson. Wow. Either team that wins is a, is a mega statement win. Seahawks get the win. They're showing they're legit. They're showing their contenders for, you know, the division title and being the Patriots is always a statement. Even if they're not at full strength, the Patriots get the win. They're showing that they're really legit and that uh, Bill Belichick doesn't always need, doesn't need Tom Brady to have success so that'll be a great matchup. I don't even know who I've got winning. I think actually I'm going to go with the Patriots here just because, like I said, uh, Seahawks tend to lose early. I still love the Seahawks in general, but I'm going to go with the Patriots over the Seahawks just because I'm riding Belichick, Belichick I guess. I'm going to pick the Seahawks, but yeah. I would say this, this game affects the NFL more than any other game. Yeah, there's a lot riding on it, like I said. There's a lot riding on this game, and people are going to look back at this game towards the end of the season and say, what if the Patriots beat the Seahawks, or what if the Seahawks beat the Patriots? And this is mm-hmm. going to be that game that it's going to be close and down to the wire. And Yeah, this will be an... I think we're going to get a great game out of this. The Patriots don't get blown out too often. And I don't think that the Patriots will blow out the Seahawks. So it's got to be a tight game. Exactly. The Patriots defense is, is too good to not have them stay in the game. Yeah. The, Seahawks, the Seahawks are too good to let up to their Seahawks. I'm not saying their defense is elite, but their defense is good enough to be able to slow down Newton. Mm-hmm. Okay. Final game here. Saints versus Raiders. I do love the Raiders as a sleeper pick. And the Saints are without wide receiver Michael Thomas. So honestly, ooh, you know, I was going to say that Saints are the easy pick here, but I'm going to go my biggest upset of this week, Raiders over the Saints. That's right. I'm going with the Las Vegas Raiders over the New Orleans Saints for this week, mainly because, like I just said, Michael Thomas is injured. Uh, Josh Jacobs looked amazing in his debut, which we didn't really cover for week one, having three touchdowns. And this, like I said, the Raiders are a team that's going to pull off victories against uh, some great teams. And I think Raiders over Saints. You know what? That's very interesting. It's their first game in their new stadium. I mean, I could honestly see that happening, but I'm going to pick the Saints. I'm being conservative on this one. Okay, fair enough. Now, moving on to part two of our podcast. Unless, do you have any takeaways from week one or your predictions for week two? Nothing to add. Okay, great. Moving on to part two, all about the Bears of this podcast. Uh, First, we'll start off, hopefully, if you're a Bears fan, especially, you know, it's been going on with Allen Robinson as of late. Um, I'll give you a brief rundown, I guess, Orrin can add some details that I will inevitably inevitably miss. But basically, um, starting yesterday, I believe, starting, it was Tuesday, because, yeah, um, Starting Tuesday, September 15th, Allen Robinson removed all Bears-related posts from his Instagram and Twitter, and uh, then 
it was further explained that he was seeking a contract extension with the bear, which the bears had not given him yet. Um, and yeah, or, you can add some things. So, I mean, this started from a while ago, you go back to three weeks, Alan Robinson was asked about his contract extension and he said, all I care about is winning. And if you look, if you look at his tweets, they slowly and slowly got different and more progressive. And you look at something, he's like, it says like, all I care about is winning. And then he goes like, you can't hit the ball if there's no ball or something like that. You can't hit a pit. You can't hit the ball if there's no pitch. Exactly. And then and then he goes and says something like, This is all this is all and then he does the cap emoji and like <laughs> and like he progressively gets worse and worse and finally he breaks and does that. And it's been leading up to this. And I think that there were rumors going on he was getting traded. Let's get this straight. He did not ask for a trade. And what was perceived is that and what was written in the Chicago Tribune article, what everyone's everyone said that Alan Robinson, I never realized how much media changes words around. Mm-hmm. What the Chicago Tribune article said is that Alan Robinson said that if you're not going to resign me, I would rather be traded. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of word twisting going on. And, saying, then words, and then the words got Alan Robinson wants to be traded. Right. Huge difference. If they're, which I, you know what, if they're not going to extend Allen Robinson, get a second, sorry, get a second round pick for him for one year. That's worth it. I'm not, I'm not upset about get that. Get a second round pick for, if you want Allen? If you're not going to extend Allen Robinson and he's not in your future plans, then why hold on to him for the rest of this year? Or you could get a second or a first round pick for him now. No, just uh, that shouldn't even be an option. I'm saying extend a Rob. I think a while ago we were actually, this topic came up and I said, you know, I understand the Bears' hesitancy, but I've kind of flipped 180 on this issue now because seeing this A-Rob's impact on the team, just give the man his money for crying out loud. It should be that simple. I know there's some negotiation that goes into it, but I will be very disappointed as a Bears fan if in the next you know few days I haven't heard about an extension because I know that Robinson has said that he wants to stay in Chicago. And of course, all of the other Bears fans have tweeted out their support for Robinson saying hashtag uh, resign A-Rob. So if you're a Bears staff member, then you should be recognizing that and just give the man his money for crying out loud. Like I just said, it just seems like a no brainer to me. Just pay him all the fans want him and just get it out of the way and then keep playing football. Though I think also the longer the Bears organization allows us to draw on, the more attention it'll bring and negative attention as opposed to just focusing on football. Whereas if they can just give this man his contract, they can move on because even Robinson doesn't seem like the type of guy who would seek that type of drama. He's always been a low going guy, a very good guy nominated for Walter Payton man of the year. Um, so yeah, I think just pay him and get it over with. Yeah. I have a few things to say. So today there's a press conference with Nagy and then after yeah, was awesome. Robinson and what Nagy said is that him, Ryan Pace and Robinson sat down And they talked about it and Nagy said something, which I thought was interesting because I was talking to some people, right? And they said that they think that the Bears will sign him in under 24 hours. Nagy said that re-signing a player takes long, long time. Mm-hmm. And if you look at players that the Bears like, they tend to extend players. It's not like the Bears are a team that's known to like let players go who they think are good. If they have a player that they like, they're te- they, they tend to extend them. Well, who do you, And, what do you mean by that? I like, mean, name a player. Look, look back, like Eddie Goldman, Charles Leno, Cody Whitehair, like I all guess. these players that, that, that are like, they like to extend players. They like to build in the organization rather than bring players from the outside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't see them not resigning Robinson. 
But the problem is that they know that Robinson would know by now if the Bears want to resign him. But clearly the Bears have Robinson saying, I want money, and they're just not giving him what he's asking for. Yeah, do you think, what's your timetable for how long Robinson gets this extension, or does he even get this extension? Regardless of what you think of whether he should, do you think it will happen? And, will. and how long? The organization is under so much pressure. You know, Tariq Cohen, Anthony Miller, even Khalil yeah. Mack, Darnell Mooney, all these players, uh, hashtag extend Allen Robinson, AR. Mm-hmm. Do you know the pressure that's put on an organization to do that? Their players are practically rebelling against their decision to not resign him, right? Well, it wasn't but, even a decision to not resign him. It's just pending whether they will resign him. You know, it's not like they came out and said, we're not going to resign him. Exactly. And also, I think that that shows more than just how good he is on the football field. All these players are going out of their Yeah, way. it shows that he's like a leader on the team because you don't see guys coming out saying, you know, extend Stephon Diggs or extend uh, Antonio Brown. Exactly. Because like, you're not like, a – it shows his impact both on and off the field to this Chicago Bears team. The Bears had six captains, and last week one of them was Allen Robinson. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a big impact player. The Bears truly understand his worth, and I'm not really worried. Yesterday I heard he was getting traded, and I got a bit worried, and he deleted from his social media, and all this starts brewing up, and I got worried. But I, I waited today. I looked at the facts, at facts yeah. And then I realized that Allen Robinson is just using everything to his leverage to get as much money as possible, which is perfectly fine with him. Yeah, Allen you know, like you look at uh, Julio Jones, he pulled a similar stunt. And Jalen Ramsey, although I don't like to compare Allen Robinson to Jalen Ramsey since, you know, Jalen Ramsey's kind of a drama queen. But as for Julio Jones, he pulled a similar stunt and he got re-signed and that was that. So I just yeah, hope it's... Al- Alvin Kamara reports saying that Alvin Kamara is going to get traded, right? He wants to trade. Yeah. Extended a few days later. I think yeah. the Bears are never going to get a receiver like Allen Robinson on the free agency market. And you know what? In a perfect world, if Anthony Miller becomes a wide receiver one and as good as Allen Robinson, fine. You don't need to re-sign him. But that's in a perfect world. And that's no, not just I, I don't even think you should be discussing this. I know what you're trying to say. Just bottom line is re-sign Allen Robinson soon. Get this out of the way. Focus on football. We've got a seemingly bright season ahead of us. We'll get to game one. Now, unless you got something yeah. to add. No, let's go. Okay. Game one, something that's kind of funny. You know, I was texting Oren during the game. We're friends. At some point, maybe down the line, we'll be doing a live episode. But for now, that doesn't seem realistic. But anyway, I was texting him. And I think that something that's kind of funny is when we have these conversations about the Bears, even before the podcast, I would always be the pessimist. Oren would always be the optimist. And we kind of even each other out. And together, you get a nice... Uh, smooth opinion because you know whenever Oren sees any report about any player doing anything in training camp he's all happy anytime I see anything negative or I just try to bring that down and level him and bring him down to earth which I just think is kind of funny Uh, likes to call being the devil's advocate yeah I mean I think it's just my opinion sometimes about you know just lowering expectations that's what I like to do with you Oren yeah but anyway um for that reason I mean, the Bears got the win 27 to 23 against the Lions. Hopefully all Bears fans should know this by now. Um, Bears were down 17 and put up Trubisky through for three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You know what? Okay, I'll just start off. What are your um, rea- What's your reaction to this game? Just give me so some. I'm going to say a statement and I'm going to go after that. After okay. that. 
Bears played like two different teams. They started off like the 2019 team and ended like the 2018 team. Yes. And even though they weren't exactly exactly one on one and perfect examples of each other, they they encapsulated what you could say to summarize each year, right? And I think that the Bears, what they showed is that they have the potential to be great, but they also showed that they can be very, very, very bad, right? And that they can be losing to a Lions team. Now, do I expect the Bears to improve off of this game? And am I just being an optimist and saying that I think more likely they're going to be leaning a bit towards the fourth quarter rather than the first, second, and third? Mm-hmm. I think so, yes. Because I think that everything, it felt like the Bears offense wasn't doing too badly, right? They were getting the ball downfield in the first three quarters. It was their defense that lacked. To be honest, I don't really, I'm not that concerned about their defense. They didn't play as, as great as I wanted them to, but Quinn's going to come back. Their defense is going to be, be better. And I'm not that worried. And if their offense really showed that they, they had an identity, they really did. They ran the ball and successfully did it. And if the Bears have an identity, no matter if it's the best in the NFL or 16th or 20th, the Bears, all they need is an identity. And they did show throughout this game that they have an identity. The difference is, is that is their offense going to be 12th in the NFL or 25th in the NFL? That's the difference between the two games, the two quarters. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think what you said about two different teams makes a lot of sense. I'm going to start off with the positives of this game, and then we'll get into more specific players, studs and duds, which I'm excited for. But just the general positives of this game, of course, that fourth quarter, whole team looked great. Great defense, great offensive performance, uh, and pretty good play calling. But as for the negatives, and I have quite a few negatives because, you know, I'm just trying to be a realist here. First of all, I do not think that Trubisky played great. Of course, he made the, he got it done in the fourth quarter. He was clutch, but he was make even uh, one of the most memorable throws from this game when he threw it to Allen Robinson in between three lines defenders. I send this to Oren. I was, I was rewatching the play. Jimmy Graham, if you look on the right side of the field, Jimmy Graham is wide open. They could have gotten an easy first down. And I do not like Mitchell Trubisky's decision to throw to Allen Robinson there. Even though it was a great throw, he threaded the needle there, and he got more yards than he would have through throwing it to Jimmy Graham. He threw it between three lines defenders, and if he's going to always make that decision to just throw to Allen Robinson, even when he's not super open – that's bad decision-making, and I think that that's going to bite them in the butt later if uh, Mitchell Trubisky continues his decision-making. And I think Trubisky didn't look super accurate even in the best of his throws, to be honest. There were some times when receivers had to go on the ground to catch it. There were times when they had to turn around, and I think that it could have been even more yards. Um, so that had me question, you know, is Trubisky the quarterback that, you know, of course we've said he doesn't need to be amazing, He just needs to be serviceable, but is he really the quarterback who can lead this team far enough for me to be satisfied? That made me question. Um, That is my main negative. I think that also while Matt Nagy did use the run game more, there were some times when he was just shoving it up the middle and it wasn't working that well. And for me, at least as a fan watching the game, he would run three times and I was like, okay, this time's obviously going to be play action. It was play action. And I'm not trying to say, oh, look how good I am. I'm saying, you know, if I can predict it, then probably it will be predictable for the Lions as well. So sorry to ramble there. Those are just my opening thoughts about the Bears. 
Of course, I'm super happy that they pulled off that win. Down 17, I was very depressed and I was already having thoughts about what this season would look like. It would be another waste of a season like 2018. Um, now I still have a lot of hope despite all that I just said, and maybe I'll seem more optimistic once we get into these studs and duds. So studs and duds basically means players or groups or just anything, anything positives and negative takeaways from the game. Yeah. So what I will say is that I found it interesting that you said Trubisky wasn't great because occasionally he made a throw that was too far and too bad. And if you look at the Jimmy Graham example, right in in an ideal world, he would have thrown it to Jimmy Graham because he was more open, right? I understand that that ball was catchable. No, no, no. But I'm not. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying. Is oh, that- you mean okay? You're talking about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. So look, if if Mitchell Trubisky sees a a player who he thinks is open, he doesn't have to be wide open. But if he sees a player that's open, right, mm-hmm. he should throw it right away, right? Because mm-hmm. if he waits, looks at but Jimmy that's Graham, bad decision making because I, I don't I, think. But look, I don't think that. Look, listen, I don't think Allen Robinson was super open on that play. He managed to throw it right to the place where only Allen Robinson could catch it. But to be honest, I don't think that he was, Jimmy Graham was super open on that play. I mean, sorry, Allen, I don't think Allen Robinson was super open on that play. It was bad decision-making, but a good throw. But in general, Mitchell Trubisky isn't always going to be able to make that great throw. So that bad decision-making is going to come back and bite. I agree, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call that bad decision-making because there was still area to be thrown. He threw it right out here, right? I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. This doesn't really work. Yeah, I know. Fingertips. He could have thrown it to his chest a bit behind him, a bit to the right, to the left. My point is that even though he wasn't wide open, right? If Trubisky sees someone who's open, he should immediately throw it, right? Because let's say Jimmy Graham is guarded, it's covered, right? Let's say he looks to Jimmy Graham, right? It's covered, and he looks back to but Robinson. You- Robinson's already guarded. He's already now. Now there's already a defender on him. I know. But- I'm just saying. I think he should have seen what he should have seen. Jimmy Graham. My my point to you is, I thousand. If that was an incomplete pass, thousand percent agree. But if, if like, a quarterback... Like well, that's why I'm just not too ready to jump on it and say, wow, what a great throw, because I don't trust that he's going to be able to make those throws. And if Trubisky has the mindset that, oh, I should just always throw it into triple coverage with Allen Robinson because it worked last time, um, that's going to lead to worse outcomes. Whereas if he had just given it to Jimmy Graham for that nice, easy third, um, first down, I think that that's what most experienced quarterbacks do. You know, like, I you look at great quarterbacks, they might be able to make throws where they thread the needle but they're you don't see them always trying to you know you don't see you just don't see the great experienced quarterback always trying to thread the needle there they'll go for the easy option a lot of times exactly but the bears don't need the the great experienced quarterback when you have Trubisky, no i'm just saying i'm no matter how good trubisky is if he has a great season where people say he stepped up his game people are still going to look back at throws where they were they were not great and my point by saying that is that I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, right? If Trubisky sees someone who's open and he doesn't throw to him, he looks for Graham. Graham's not. Graham's covered. He looks back to Robinson. Robinson's now covered. I understand what you're saying. But what I'm trying to say is, is that if he was not open and if he threw an incompletion, fine. But, like, I feel like that that's just a bad example of a play that you chose. It's like... I get what you mean. Though. Well, I get- uh, my point in picking the completion is that even in the plays where Trubisky seemed to do well, I'm still concerned, and I'm still not saying he was great 100 percent because you can I can point to a yeah, of course I can point to a bunch of other incompletions where he made even worse throws, but I'm saying even for the seemingly good throws, there were some problems going on. No, yeah, I agree, but I think that 
and I, I don't think you can really argue with this. If Trubisky plays a bit worse than he did that game every single season, the Bears will have a very successful year. Okay. I, I, okay. I don't know if you agree or You disagree. mean every game? I don't I agree know. Every game. Well, it depends. You know, not the first three quarters, but if you're including the fourth quarter, then that's if a whole different thing. Well, even if you look at it in a, in a whole, I mean, he's still not fine the first three quarters. He just wasn't elite. Okay, okay. Let's move on now to studs and duds, which I tried to explain like five minutes ago. Just the positives and negatives, player-wise, or just yeah, uh, whole team-wise. So you want to start off with okay, your studs? Start with the offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. People have questions if they're going to be able to come back to how good they did, and I thought was interesting is the next gen stats had the Bears have the most expected rushing yards per attempt which means that the offense has created the most opportunity for rushers at the moment of handoff, according to our new expected rushing yards model. Wow. It sounds like you're reading that straight from, uh, I did read that straight from Mm -hmm. the thing. Um, no, but the bears offensive line put the running backs in position where they didn't really need to do much. Right. Yeah. That helps so much in so many different areas. Montgomery and Cohen don't need to do that much. That opens up the playbook for Nagy right? Trubisky plays better. The offensive line plays better. Running the ball is so huge because it affects every single thing. And I think that that's a huge improvement for the Bears. I think adding on to what you said, I definitely have the offensive line as a stud. I think even Trubisky, he looked pretty good in the pocket. He was patient and he was actually able to scramble out of the pocket and get the ball away. Um, Except for one play where he had that terrible fumble. But aside from that, he was looking pretty good in the pocket and with his offensive line. So on to one of my studs. I'm going to go with an individual player. I like Darnell Mooney. You know, he's not going to be talked about a lot after this game because he wasn't a star or anything. He didn't catch a touchdown. But being a Bears rookie wide receiver and having three catches in that game, um, that's a testament to his playing ability because you look at Javon Wims, Riley Ridley. Riley Ridley wasn't involved until the end of, until the end of last year. Javon Wims took forever to be involved. Anthony Miller, too. I'm just saying normally Bears rookie wide receivers takes a bit to get involved. The fact that Darnell Mooney had some role in this game, caught uh, had three receptions, that makes me very optimistic for this player. I think he adds a great element of speed, and hopefully at some point he can really showcase that speed. Uh, I was reading an article in the Tribune today that um, after only a few plays, the Lions defenders were lining up giving Jarno Mooney a lot of space, which, you know, made him happy because it shows that they respect him as a player. Um, I think Jarno Mooney's got a lot to offer and he's not going to be talked about a lot, but I'm going to be keeping an eye out for him in the future. So I'm going to say a player that you probably wouldn't say Jalen Johnson. I feel like. Yeah. I I really like that pick also. I think, well, I think you can actually, we could have grouped it into just rookies in general. Bears rookies were studs because neither of them had, outstanding performances you know outlying Jalen Johnson was targeted six times two completions Mm -hmm. he almost had an interception in the red zone and caused Kyle Fuller's interception I don't know if yeah yeah. but even if Jackson wasn't there it would have been an incomplete pass or a tip Mm -hmm. I couldn't really tell from the play yeah but but he was definitely involved in that interception he only led up two receptions for 30 yards I mean that's really good Except to be fair, if I said Bears rookies, I'd have to include Deshaun Gibson, which our beloved Deshaun Gibson, I still love that man, still had, which is we're so happy, even though, you know, you'd rather have Robert Quinn in. Um, Deshaun Gibson got the star, which made us happy. But the only time the announcers even mentioned his name was when he was unfortunately bodied for a touchdown 
Um, didn't see too much out of Gibson, but I'm very excited for the future. Again, we interviewed that guy. So check that out, that interview, because it's one of our Travis. favorites. Travis Gibson, he, they didn't really talk about him, but I mean, he looked, mm-hmm. I like, I liked how he played. Yeah. All right. Okay. You got any more studs or do you want to move on to the duds here? Anthony Miller. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anthony Miller had a very good game. He had a one-handed catch and towed uh, uh, the game winning touchdown. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he only got one target in the beginning of the year. And typically when he gets one target, you can tell he gets frustrated. He didn't get frustrated. He was calm. He was calm and he just kept, he just kept coming in clutch. I think. And and a little, a little, oh, sorry, you can go on. No, I I think Uh, a little side note about Anthony Miller. You know, normally I'm one to like the humble, easygoing, you know, calm guys like Allen Robinson. But I think. I'm really a fan of this uh, spunk and swagger that Anthony Miller's got. I think he adds, he doesn't seem like too much of a hothead. He just seems like, you know, he's confident in his abilities. And you could see after he caught the, that um, touchdown that put him in the lead, you know, Trubisky's great throw, which we didn't talk about. That was an absolute dime. Nothing to critique about there. Um, Anthony Miller gets up and he starts smack talking the Lions guy, which, you know, I like. I think it adds, you know, some nice spunk, like I said. Um, it shows that the Bears are confident, and that ben, personality is, is a nice addition to the team. I, I thought you would like this. When Trubisky threw the ball to Anthony Miller for the touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. The ball left Trubisky's hands. Allen Robinson looked, turned around, and <laughs> threw him for a touchdown. That's looked great. It was, it was also it was the exact same team. Exact same, exact same place. play. Same thing, yeah. But the funny thing was is he didn't turn around. He didn't know it was a touchdown. He put his hands up. He knew right. it was a touchdown right of when the course. ball that's Alex. the classic, yeah. Like when you turn around, if you're Stephen Curry shooting a three-pointer, Clay Thompson makes the pass, he turns around, you know, something like that. That's a classic. That's great from Allen Robinson. And that shows some, you know, budding uh, confidence in, in each and other, which is great. What I thought was interesting is Mike Mike Fury, the wide receiver coach, said mm-hmm. that Allen Robinson needs to be credited with – he needs to be given a lot of credit for Anthony Miller's development. Yeah, that I, makes sense. I, it says that Anthony Allen Robinson took Anthony Miller under his belt. I mean, he really just helped him be a good player. And Allen Robinson shows his confidence in either Trubisky or in Miller or in both. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. On to yeah. Duds. On to duds. Unless one more minor thing. I just, I really liked how Cordell Patterson was utilized and also Tariq Cohen. I know that goes into the offensive line, but Tariq Cohen was a lot more productive. He had, I think maybe, not, I actually don't know how many carries he had, but he was a lot more productive with his running this time. Had some good good runs, seven, but he averaged six oh, seven. Yeah, exactly. And Cordero Patterson, I'm very excited. I think he can give a lot of value as a rusher, and it, it makes sense to have him as a running back. You know, you think he he adds a lot more value as a running back as opposed to a receiver, since you know his specialty is isn't catching it; it's running because that's what he does for kick returns. Yeah. Um, okay, on to the duds. You can go first. So I'm going to say one that I don't know if you would be able to tell, but I was like, I was kind of focused on him most of the game. Danny Trevathan. He played terrible. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I mean, when you when you look at him, he might have had five tackles, but when you really look at him, no, he did play badly. I don't like to use PFF as a metric because I don't think that they're necessary. Or every time you you brought up PFF, I haven't brought up PFF one time, but I'm not saying I don't like to use it as a metric. You brought it up like every podcast and always preface it with, I don't like to use it. It's hard to grade how good, it's hard to identify how good Danny Trevathan did in passing 
in passing, he had a 25 PFF grade. The average like grade for him, he probably got like a 65 last year average. Yeah. 25 is like terrible. That's like 120 out of 140. All like active linebackers. He couldn't guard anyone. You know that he was the reason he was guarding DeAndre Swift. There, I think they were playing man to man on the last mm-hmm. one. Yeah, he did blow the coverage. I was hearing about that. Yeah. Was, I mean, he was just so terrible. I mean, he needs to step it up. I get he was injured and he's getting a bit old, but I think that if he's able to step it up, this defense will be able to step it up. And he needs to be able to do that. And if not, then there's a serious problem with middle linebacker because they don't have an immense amount of depth at that position. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that our duds would be on the defensive end after this game, no matter the outcome? It's usually more of the defense leading the Bears offense and the Bears offense just kind of tugging behind. But yeah, I think I'm going to pick another dud on the offense, on the defensive side of the ball. I got to go with Khalil Mack. I mean, I know that with Robert Quinn in, it'll add another aspect and hopefully that whole um, front seven and pass, pass rush will improve, but still Khalil Mack was such a non-factor this game. He had a few tackles, didn't record a sack, didn't record an interception or a fumble. I mean, I know that those are, but I'm expecting a lot more from Khalil Mack than I would another player. And his name just wasn't called enough. He was a non-factor. Um, Akeem Hicks at least recorded a sack at the end of the game, which proved pretty crucial because it moved him back in field goal position. But Khalil Mack, you know, that kind of concerns me also just a little bit. I mean, you said that you were confident that this defense can rebound. I really hope that you're right. But Khalil Mack, everyone was attributing, and myself included, Khalil Mack's kind of declined in 2019 to Akeem Hicks. But now with Akeem Hicks back, he still wasn't great. Hopefully with Robert Quinn back, he can be the Khalil Mack we all know. So what I thought was interesting is that even though Khalil Mack didn't record a sack, if you really look at it deeper, he had like seven pressures. Yeah, I mean, he was getting to the quarterback, I will say. Like like I was saying, I think he did still play well, but when it's Khalil Mack, I got to expect more out of him and just he wasn't as much of a factor as I would have liked. That's fair. And um, yeah. and Because go- also for this Bears team to have to be dominant, their defense has got to be totally dominant. And just as a unit, we could go player by player just as a unit – this defense wasn't what it should have been this yeah. game. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that what Nagy said is completely true, but Nagy said, like, I'm not worried at all that the defense will rebound. I think that was interesting that Nagy even acknowledged that the defense played poorly. I know that you were expecting me to take that as a positive, but I think that that's really, like, I don't know if it's a positive that Nagy's aware of their weaknesses or the fact that Nagy clearly knows that their defense... Well, I don't play. think, I think that that's... No like, coach is going to be ignorant like that. No coach is going to – if there's a clear if – if the defense clearly played badly, no coach is going to say. That just shows ignorance. That shows lack of leadership for a coach to say, yeah, the defense played totally fine. We're not going to change anything. So I think it makes sense to say we've got to make changes if you come out and have a bad performance. Yeah. All right. I have one more dud. Or I have two mm-hmm. more. Bilal Nichols. I mean – he he's playing nose tackle so he's not gonna the only stat that people can really attribute to nose tackle is well he lost a lot of one-on-one battles he was Mm -hmm. constantly losing one-on-one battles and adrian peterson ran all over them Mm -hmm. eddie goldman not being in there was incredibly crucial for the stop for the running game and the bears need to find another way to fix their defensive tackle either sign damon harrison who said who someone tweeted at damon harrison like he's a he's a free agent still yeah yeah, so would you want to join Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, and Akeem Hicks? And he tweeted back like something like, yeah, or something like, get me on board or something like that. Yeah, and like, yeah. oh, even Cordell Patterson was like, come, we'll sign you or something. Like, yeah. It was like a joke, but I mean, 
the Bears seriously need to consider that because if they want to have an elite defense, they need to be able to stop the run because that's what makes their defense so elite. And without Eddie Goldman, I thought Eddie Goldman would be a big loss, but not as big as what it, what it proved to be. And if after this week, Saquon Barkley, who... What do you mean um, not as big as what it proved to be? Their run stopping I mean, was bad. Way bigger, way bigger than I... Oh, than yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. No, and if Saquon Barkley, who got... I'm not saying Saquon's a bad running back, but if the Giants offensive line is able to do well against Bilal Nichols, then they seriously need to look into getting Damon Harrison. Okay, um... I think we should move on now to the Giants prediction. Yeah. Unless you've got anything else to say. Any takeaways, I guess. Takeaways from the Bears week one game? No, I think we reviewed all of them. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, you know, I'm optimistic for this Bears season. I'm optimistic for this Bears team. But I'm not ready to totally be 100% in on Trubisky. And especially since that defense was shaky, I still have uh, a fair, a good deal of concerns. Yeah. What 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 I'll say is that they showed progression in spots that they needed to, but mm-hmm. also I don't know how consistent that progression will be. And also they showed regression in some positions, and I don't know, and I hope, and I kind of do believe that in some of the positions like defense that they'll be able to rebound off of that. But, I mm-hmm. mean, I really don't know. That's why the, the game, this game showed so many different facets of what the Bears could be, right? Because mm-hmm. if everything goes well, which is a very realistic possibility, then great. But also it's realistic that the Bears don't do amazing, that their defense isn't as elite as it was even last year and regresses because of their loss of Eddie Goldman. And their mm-hmm. offense isn't able to run the ball like they did week one. So, I mean, you can look at it any way, but I, I think that the Bears have proven that their offense is a lot less shaky than it was last year. And I, I hope that their defense is able to rebound. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, moving on now to a preview of Chicago Bears versus the New York Giants. Oren, first of all, we didn't cover, I mean, I just realized we didn't cover the tight ends in that game. Jimmy Graham started off badly, ended up with a touchdown and another almost touchdown. So, you know, pretty hopeful for Graham. But anyway. What I thought was interesting is that uh, Matt Nagy, I know I keep bringing up Matt Nagy quotes, but Nagy said after the game, he said, the tight end, we know what the tight end room can produce, and they didn't produce as well as we as we thought they would, but we know what they're capable mm-hmm. of doing. So I thought That's that great. even even in a game that, from an outsider's view, seemed like a huge improvement, the Bears and Matt Nagy are adamant that they're even better. And mm-hmm. maybe that's just Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet doing well in practice and not in a real, in real game, but the fact that the Bears coaches have so much confidence in their tight end, I mean, it has to show something. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so now for real, moving on to our preview of New York Giants versus the Chicago Bears. First of all, who you got winning? I got to go with the Chicago Bears, to be honest. I mean, they just, they're riding off of this win against the Lions. New York Giants are a very beatable team. And I think that uh, this Bears pass rush and front seven will feast on the Bears, on the Giants uh, offensive line, which looked like the worst offensive line in the league. Uh, Daniel Jones is a turnover prone quarterback, even though he does have flashes of greatness. And I think that the bears really, uh, the bears defense is at its best against turnover prone quarterbacks, as opposed to guys. I mean, of course, but like is at its best against boomer bust quarterbacks who, because they can normally get the bust out of them. Um, so I think that the, the bears defense matches up great against the lions. And I think that, uh, Nagy can have some creative plays. I, I expect a pretty good game from Trubisky, to be honest. So I see the Bears pulling off this victory. 
Yeah, and I get they played the Steelers, but last week they they weren't really able to stop slow it on the run as much, which is really mm-hmm. good considering the fact that the that the Bears ran the ball so well. And um, I mean, I hope that they're able to run the ball. Their pass defense wasn't that elite, right? Their other passing game at, at points of the game it looked pretty good, but Daniel Jones just made a lot of crucial mistakes. They weren't able to run the ball, and I mean the Bears are coming off of a good game. They might start off slow, but I mean, I can't see them losing this game. They're just mm-hmm. the better I agree team. They're, they're just the better team. And this is a must win game, especially for the fact that they start off with a few easy games and they know that in order to be a really successful team, they need to ride that momentum, win the, win a first few games and go to Tampa Bay and go and ride their momentum to Tampa Bay and then go to all these other games like the, Rams game, the all these other games, Saints, Vikings, mm-hmm. Packers, all these. They need to ride their their early momentum towards that point. Yeah, and hopefully um, the Bears' defense can put a, a touchdown on the board. I could see that happening. So you got a score prediction, and then I think we can be done. I'm going to say – I was going to say 30 to 23, but then I realized that um, the Bears – the Bears Way are not, too high scoring. The Bears are not going to score that much, and they're not going to let up that much. 21-17. I mean, it'll be a bit closer than people expect because Daniel Jones is going to, like, drive and score a really random touchdown. It won't really mean anything. But the real score of the game without, like, that random touchdown is going to be 21 to twenty-one to 10. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 24-13. I can't really back this up too much. Just I'm feeling 24-13, maybe 27-14, somewhere. Just, I mean, we, we both have similar scores. Uh, Bears will put around 20 on the board. They're still not an elite offense, but I think that they will be able to expose this lackluster Giants defense. And I think the Bears defense, especially getting Robert Quinn in this game, I'm very excited to see what they can do to Daniel Jones. Me too. So I have one question to ask you. I I thought it was interesting. Let's say Cairo Santos, the kicker, Chiefs, the guy who they got from the tight end, plays plays fairly well. Misses, goes, maybe goes nine for 10 makes all these extra points, right? In the first three weeks or maybe in like mm-hmm. six or seven. Oh, one. yeah. Well, Who gets to start? Back. Who do they start? Honestly, I mean, I know you're talking about confidence in a kicker and this thing that we were going through with the quarterback competition with Foles and Trubisky. But I think that mental, you know, your thoughts in your mind are actually a very important factor for kickers. So – if Carol Santos goes a hundred percent in this time, I'm going with him. If he proves, if he shows that he can actually be a very reliable kicker, I'm just taking the reliable kicker because you know, that's all the bears need at this point. But if he misses a sizable amount of kicks, if he misses like, you know, two or three, I'm taking him out. You know, I guess it just depends, but I, if Cairo Santos proves that he can, finish the season without missing too many kicks, you know, he doesn't miss many kicks and I'm keeping him in. What I'm going to say is Pinheiro shows the potential to be the kicker of the future and kicking is uh, like you say, kicker kicking is so much about, about the mental, the mental aspect of it. And unless Santos is elite, the bears are going to put Pinheiro in. And even if Santos in theory plays the whole year and plays a bit better than, than Pinheiro, I would rather have Pinheiro not only for the future, but just because it's better for the franchise to have a younger player. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that should do it for this episode. Remember, you can contact us with any suggestions, any feedback, 
on Instagram, just at from the Dan, or just contact us through anywhere else. Find us on YouTube. Um, and bear down. Bear down. If you enjoyed this episode of From the Den, please remember to comment or leave a review depending on your listening platform. Or if you're a Packers fan, remember to write some nasty reviews and comments. Thanks for listening and bear down.